Welcome back to This One's For You. I'm your host, Ellen Noble, and today's episode is a little bit different than usual, but I could not be more excited. Um, so as some of you may know, I was a professional bike racer until my retirement in 2021, but after two and a half years away, I finally announced on January 2nd that I will be returning to pro racing in 2024. I have a really long way to go, but that's all part of the beauty of this journey, and I'm excited to share it with everyone. So I wanted to talk about that process a little bit more, uh, and I decided to ask my dear friend, Catherine Slater, to come on the show and chat with me about my comeback. Catherine Slater is, where do you start with Catherine Slater? She's a 12-time national champion. <laughs> um, that's not your part yet. Okay, you sorry. have to wait till I say hi. Okay. Um, Catherine, for starters, uh, Catherine and her husband, Al, are my housemates and gracious hosts. Catherine is the mom to Mabel Louise, the Catahoula hound mix, and she's also the marketing, media, and PR manager at Bat Conservation International. But the thing that makes Catherine so special is her genuine kindness and your just mature and level worldview. Uh, I just think that Catherine is so smart and experienced and I love her a lot. So I think all of you will get to see just how lovely this woman is over the course of the show. So without further ado, please welcome today's host, Catherine Slater. Wow. Welcome, Catherine. I feel like there should be a laugh track or a clap track <laughs> or something. I can I can edit all that in. Okay, like I great. told you, I'm the producer. Perfect. Okay. Hi. Hi. Welcome welcome to This One's For You. Welcome to my podcast, This One's For You. Wow. we It's so weird. We actually have the same name for our podcast. Yeah. Cool. I thought of it a long time ago. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me. It's truly my pleasure. I'm very excited to be here. And you really, you're not having me. I'm here to interview you. So let's keep that straight. Yeah, it's weird. I am having you. I asked you, would you please come on the show and interview me, which is a really sort of weird thing to do, but it also just felt right. I wanted to talk about this process. Uh, I figured, well, I'd like to go on a podcast and talk about it. I do happen to have my own podcast, yeah. and you are also kind of a PR and journalism genius. So, I mean, what more could you ask for? Right. Um, should we just lay out on the table right now that you didn't really want to do this a couple of days ago? <laughs> you decided no. Um, I think we should just talk about that, that you were nervous to do it. You felt kind of weird. Talking about yourself is not... Maybe people don't understand that because you're on social media talking about yourself a lot, but going on your own podcast to talk about yourself, tell me why you thought that was a little bit weird. It felt very, um, like, conceited to be like, dear Catherine, would you please come on my podcast <laughs> and let me talk about myself? Yeah. Like, it's very, very strange. Um, so, like, I wanted to do the show, but I didn't want to ask you to do this. And I was like, let's just cancel it because this is sort of a, a strange thing. It's like, it felt like having a photo of myself as my desktop or as my screensaver. Okay. That's like the podcast equivalent, I think. But I don't know. We're doing it anyway. We're doing it anyway. Who is, what is your screensaver? Um, I have like a, ro you know this, but um, I have like a rotating screensaver like every time I tap it it changes to different pictures of the dogs that I love so it's like a lot of my dog a lot of your dog mm -hmm. um and then like my mom's dog and my sister's dogs and um yeah just a whole 
whole beautiful blend of a bunch of random dogs. Nice. Um, is that the same on your laptop or is that? No, I don't have like a, I have like a generic laptop background. Okay. But what if I just told you that it was like a blown up photo of me? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. I'm <gasps> kidding. So rude. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about what we're here to talk about, which is first of all, I've never hosted a podcast before. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Did you just turn the mic down because I'm I'm too loud? I'm trying to figure out which mic is yours. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I figured out which one's yours and I'm going to just turn it down just a little bit because you... Yeah, I do have a projecting voice. Well, you're, you have a history of being on the stage, on the big stage under the big lights. You so. have a history of being loud. <laughs> Don't we both. And your daughter inherited that from you. So... All right. All right, I want to look back before we look forward. Okay. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. It's your show. Okay, great. I'm just living in it. Um, so 1995, you're born. Correct. You come into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Maine. <laughs> okay. Yep, kicking and screaming. Um, so yesterday, I sat down with Al Donahue. He's my <laughs> husband. I sat down with him and kind of looked back at some of your... Your, your bigger stats. Okay. Only for cyclocross, because honestly, like, there's too many and I couldn't... <laughs> I couldn't find them all in one place. Your Wikipedia is really outdated. And so inaccurate. If anyone's out there and you're looking for something to do um, this winter, her Wikipedia needs to be updated. Um, So I'm going to start with like 2013 is when I kind of start getting into my stats. But I want to know, I don't totally know the answer to this, um, how you actually got into bike racing. Oh, okay. And how old were you? I have bike raced my whole life. Um, my parents were both bike racers, so I was born into it, and I um, started doing, like, kids' races when I was, like, five, and then by the time I was, like, seven, I had kind of, like, aged out of the kids' races, <laughs> so I was doing, like, the beginner mountain bike races in my area, which was, like, one full lap of whatever course, not like a cyclocross course, like a mountain bike course, and it was honestly not that fun, um, but so I started doing that at, like, seven and by the time I was 14 I was doing the pros because it was you were too good yeah I mean like in the state of Maine I guess I was yeah and so yeah I was doing these like it it, they felt like ultra endurance races because they were so long for a 14 year old to be doing like three laps of these you know local cross-country events that yeah they were like three hours long were both of your parents coming with you to those yeah okay yeah yeah it was like a whole family affair okay um, when did you start racing, like, seriously and with a coach and stuff like that? Um, <clears throat> I did my first cyclocross race in the winter or November of 2011. Okay. It um, I did the Cycle Sport International. You may have heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I was introduced, I remember talking to the Geek House bike race team. So if you're, like, a New England cyclocross um aficionado that may ring a bell I remember asking them if they knew of any coaches that they'd recommend and they were like well there's this guy who um I'd who like is really really good he's like super legit and his coaching company uh is like the title sponsor of this event cycle smart they're like so you should talk to this guy Al Donahue and it was mostly my parents talking to him like especially my dad but like I kind of I like have this very very hazy memory of Al like standing (laughs) in the field at cycle smart mostly with his eyes closed like because you know like when he's really focused yeah he'll like close his eyes because he's like visualizing it I remember that I was like wow he talks with his eyes closed and then that person just became my coach (laughs) so that was 2011 and then in no that was 2010 and then 2011 I believe I did my first 
Real Cyclocross season with Al as my coach. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward a couple of years, mm-hmm. you, you're getting some races under your belt. Mm-hmm. You've got Al as your coach. Yeah. So then we kind of started going through, um, Al was sitting across from me. He was doing some Googling. I was doing some Googling. This is, I'm going to miss some things, but 2013, you won junior national championships. Is that true? That's correct. Okay. That's really exciting. Yeah. How old are you in 2013? You're eight, 17, 16, 17, probably 17. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 20, how, how old are juniors? Um, so sorry, cyclists. I don't, I don't know some of these. I actually think a lot of people who are listening to this don't know okay. how old juniors are. Cause a lot of them hopefully aren't cyclists as well. Um, juniors are 17, 18, and then we have another junior category, 15, 16, but in other nations, we'll typically call them cadets. Okay. So cadets are 15, 16, and then juniors are strictly 17, 18. Okay. Um, but in the U S we'll often refer to any junior as someone who's under 18 years old. Okay. And then U23 is 90 to 22. Correct. Okay. 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 If it feels like they just pulled those numbers out of the air. It's because they did. I think they, I, they, I have no evidence to the contrary. I think okay. that they're very randomized. That's one way to pick things. Um, 2014, you got second in U23 Cyclocross National Championships. Is that true? Confirm or deny? Confirm? Okay. Um, I'm waiting for like, for one, that's a total trick. Like, right, no, there aren't any. Right? Um, you started winning your first domestic UCI races. Mm-hmm. So showing on, sh- showing up on some domestic podiums. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2015, you won U23 National Championships. Yeah. Asheville. And you won U23 Pan Ams. Correct. Is that true? Yep. Okay. Cincy. Okay. In Cincinnati. Okay. C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I. Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it says in 2015, you started racing in Europe. Correct. Yeah. So, I was a sophomore. So what did, tell, tell me a little bit about what that looked like. Who went over there with you? How did you do that? I went over with USA Cycling. Um, I was on the Jam Fund at the time. And so like being really, really heavily supported by Al at that time, um, as a coach, but also as like a team director and just, you know, like kind of the heart and soul behind the whole, the whole program. Um, and I, I don't even really remember how it came about. Like I remember going over there, but I don't remember like that moment that it was like, I'm going, Mm -hmm. that it maybe had been in the works for a while or something like that. But, um, I remember the preparation really quite a lot. We were doing a lot of training in the sandpit behind the house room, the dogs (laughs) all the time. Um, And I remember like Scott, my teammate, was like doing a lot of like, he was like, all right, like this is what I think Europe is like. Sketchy. Sketchy, like sand drops. And like I was doing a lot of like flipping over the handlebars. And Hyde and Powers were like, you know, we've been to Europe. We know what this is like. Like you're going to need to be prepared to do X, Y, and Z. And so like we were creating these like real European um, like immersion programs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went over to Europe and I wasn't scared, which is crazy because like usually for a lot of riders going over to Europe is like, it's so many levels above like what we do in the U.S. Or it's just, it's not even above. It's just like so different from the type of racing that we have here. Yeah. Um. We are live on air. <laughs> <laughs> we'll forgive him because it's Al. It's fine. He and we've been talking about him. Anyway. Owns the house. Um, did you, did Al go over with you that year? Um, okay, so my first trip to Europe, Al did not come with me, but that I believe was the year that I went to Worlds. Yeah, that must have been. I wrote my ticket to Worlds on the on the trip. Mm-hmm. I got selected, um, like auto qualified. And then for for Worlds that year, it was me, 
Stephen Hyde, Jeremy Powers, Scott Smith, Jeremy Duran, and Anthony Clark. Oh my God. I didn't miss anyone. Dream team. Dream team. We all made the world's team. <laughs> <laughs> all six of us from East Hampton or like Jam Fam. Jam Fam. So Al and Makunda came over. And oh so we all like had this like kind of separate part of the USA Cycling House. Mm-hmm. Um, it was magical. That's really cute. Yeah, it was a career highlight for me for sure. I love that. Okay, 2016. You again won U23 National Championships. Yep. And you started getting top 10. Oh, 2016 was Asheville. 2015 okay. was Austin. Okay. All right. Not that it matters. Correct but, the um, record. Let the record show. Um, 2016, start getting top 10 in World Cups. Is that true? I don't know. Ask the internet. That's I, don't, what, I mean, that, if that's what the internet says. This is what the internet said, and let's just continue as if yeah. it's reality. I think that's true. Um, 2017, again, U23 national champ? Yep. I think I, yeah, I think it was four, 4X or 3X or something. Okay. And this is the year Al starts getting really excited about these results. He said, you got second at Fl- Flandrian Cross. Yep, Hama. In Hama. Yep. And he said that was, like, really, really exciting. Yeah, that was a really good race. Um, and who was first? Sana Kant? Sana Kant. And, and Katie Compton was Katie third. Katie Compton in a sprint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Al said That was were, when Sana was world champ, I think, too. Right, right. <laughs> you were getting top tens in the highest level of racing. Correct. And it was really exciting. Um, 2018, you got second to Katie Compton at U.S. Um, Cyclocross Nationals. Yeah. Um. You won seven UCI races in a row. That's true. Um, Al called you the dominant force in U.S. racing. Oh, my God. Which it's I thought was really that, cute. It's crazy to get a compliment from Al. <laughs> I know. He doesn't hand them out that often. No. Um, and then I start, I'm going to call the rest, the 20, 2019 to now, I know less about what was going on with you. So in 2019, mm-hmm. what was your season like? 2019 was really, really hard. This was when you started to feel a little bit like things weren't going that well. Um, no, it was at the end of 2018. So okay. we do like the seven consecutive wins. That year I was like third, I was third at nationals last time we raced in Louisville. Yeah. I went over to Tabor where we'll race worlds this year. Went over to Tabor and I was like not myself at all. Like I had had a very, very, very good 2018. Yep. Um, was racing the mountain bike world cup circuit, kind of like starting to be considered for like Olympic long list kind of thing. Had a phenomenal cro- start to the cross season. And then like things really, really dipped off. Kind of started to come back at the beginning of 2019. And then for the 2019 cycle cross season, it was like just okay. all basically like, okay. I had two UCI wins that were like a miracle. And then instantly after that, I got the flu and any hope I had of coming back was like completely squashed. Um, so 2019 was like not really the start so much as like we have fully arrived at what the next several years are going to look like for me. Okay. And so in 2019, it wasn't just that you couldn't race your bike or push the pedals. It was like, you were actually physically sick. You were, you had the flu. Yeah. I was sick, like constantly in addition to my chronic illness. I was also dealing with like acute instances of illness and, you know, yeah. Getting the flu was like just like the cherry on top of a year of like, just not being able to catch a break. I had had like, I remember, I think it was like, I had a sinus ear and eye (laughs) infection. And then I started taking antibiotics and I got candida. 
Like okay. just to really like show you what, how my year was going. Like that's, I was getting completely shit on by Lady Luck. Okay. And then we all remember 2020. Yeah. I wrote down Blarg. Blarg. That was a rough year. You know what's Not funny though? What? 2020 was really good for me personally. Yeah. Like I was really healthy in 2020. Tell me why you think that is. Oh God. Because you had started to... Well, you would kind of a forced rest. Yeah, I took some time off. I wasn't racing. Where are you physically in the world in 2020? I was in Tucson, Arizona for lockdown. Yeah. Um, So I didn't have any like racing pressure. Um, I briefly worked with a different coach aside from Al. Um, So I was doing like really, really different stuff that I think like kind of like shook things up for me, which was kind of interesting. Um, And... Yeah, so in, in Tucson until May of 2020, then I decided to move to move up to Boulder. It's supposed to be temporary. <laughs> um, I was going to temporarily move to Boulder for, like, a training camp with Alan Lim. And I, like, had so much on-the-ground support. We were doing this, like – I mean, Alan's, a like, a total genius, just like Alec. Like both of them are, um, like, mad geniuses. But – uh, Alan like had this whole plan for this like COVID safe training camp and like the stuff that we were doing was like high level like squirt in squirt out like we had all of these ways that we could like be near each other without like really fully being in contact and we had like these buffs that had like masks sewn in <laughs> it was so crazy but it, like I mean it worked and none yeah. of us got sick like it yeah. was amazing so I did like three months of a training camp that was like completely dedicated to me and Aiden and Clara Hansinger and her partner Emmett. Um, and so it was like I was riding every day with a follow car and yeah. I was like, I was eating so right. much. He was food. cooking for you. He was cooking for us. And when Alan wasn't cooking for us, Aiden was cooking for me. And I had like, I was drinking like a couple bottles of scratch an hour and he was making us homemade rice cakes. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was, I think what I didn't realize is I was doing things like completely opposite of how I had been doing them. So like for years I had been like restricting calorically, like really badly. And then all of a sudden I arrived in Boulder and I was like surrounded by people. I wasn't lonely anymore. I was eating like so much food and I was like, I had everything that like, I think an athlete really needs to thrive. Yeah. So 2020 was actually really good for me, which is so bad to say. (laughs) No, I mean, I, I'm sure if you ask a hundred people, there's a percentage of them that are going to say 2020 was great because they got to step away from something that wasn't serving them. They mm-hmm. were forced into taking some rest time. Mm-hmm. They, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I mean, for so many reasons really struggle in 2020, but then, yeah, there is that percentage that, um, all of a sudden the people who have been traveling, I, one of the athletes I worked with this summer, their dad, um, was basically traveling like 365 for work. Right. And then COVID happened and he was home like for the first time in like their whole, like in as long as they could remember. And they were like, right. it completely changed it. Like he doesn't travel as much anymore because he realized that like he can't be away. Yeah. So like, yeah, there are those stories and I'm definitely one of those people who really benefited from that space where like Alan was able to dedicate that time to us because there wasn't as much going on elsewhere. Right. Okay. So you're feeling... You're at this three-month-long training camp surrounded by all of these people who are supporting you, and mm-hmm. you feel great, and your training's going well, and then tell me what happened after that. Um, <clears throat> I decided not to go to Europe that 
that winter. So I had planned on going to Europe for like November and December and January because they were doing these like kind of COVID safe, like pro races. Like they only had like a World Cup schedule. Um, and I decided not to go. And I was just going to like focus all in on, I guess at that time. No, no, there wasn't a, there wasn't a chance for me to go to the Olympics anymore, but I was still trying to like kind of enter into the pro mountain bike scene again. Yeah. Um, cause I had had like a lot of failed attempts at like breaking onto the scene and like really solidifying myself as a mountain bike racer and then not as much of a cyclocross racer. Uh, and so like things went pretty well and were going well into 2021 um, and then I broke my back at my first race back. I fractured my spine in three places. Was that a mountain bike race? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So April, 2021, first race really since COVID. I had done like a handful of cyclocross races that fall, but like they were like local small events. Yeah. So then I went to a UCI race, like big one and, um, I fractured my spine. Oh my God. Okay. And I feel like in some of looking back at some of your social media, posts back then after you fractured your spine it seems like all the health stuff kind of compounded yes and And came back and got much worse yes okay yeah and I like forget that there was a really big period from 2019 till now that I had a reprieve yeah because what came back was so bad that I forget that there was a time when I actually was really healthy before yeah um yeah I was if it What's the saying? If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Yeah. That's how I felt during this time. Like I had a broken back and then I suddenly had more symptoms than I had ever dealt with prior to my diagnosis. Um, at this point, did you know, had you had the diagnosis for yeah, your autoimmune? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2019. Okay. Um, on the Thursday before we left for Rochester. So okay. it was the first, like two days before the start of my season, I found out that I was like, oh, well... That's a, like, chronic thing. That's not going away. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so I knew at that time. And then during this process, like, with the broken back, I started going to a lot of other doctors and trying – I had tried the, like, traditional um, Eastern medicine. Yeah. Yeah, Eastern. Yeah. Eastern medicine. I had tried – I had really given them a fair shake. Right. And it was not playing into my hands. So I was like, you know, I'm going to try some holistic medicine. I'm going to try some – um, you know, like natural paths and functional medicine. I'm mm-hmm. going to do acupuncture and whatever. And so um, through some of those like more Western doctors, do I have that backwards? You have it backwards. I yeah. do. Yeah. Edit that out. All right. No, it's backwards. So yeah. So a... you tried Western medicine, yes. which is where we are. Which is where we are. And then you were given a try to Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, yes. acupuncture, yeah. functional medicine. Stuff functional like medicine. And I had a lot of luck with functional medicine. Um, I was diagnosed with a MTHFR genetic mutation. I found out about like a whole slew of Is other... that common with Hashimoto's? I don't. Uh, that's a really good question. I don't think that they're like. They're not related. Are connected. I'm sure they are, but um, it's not like uh, like a lot of autoimmune diseases te- usually come in pairs because it's rare that you'll have like just one part of your body that's dealing with an autoimmune attack. Yeah. Um. So like MTHFR is like kind of separate. Like you're not necessarily going. It's not like another autoimmune disease. Um. So I'll have to like fact check that as well. But yeah, I just found out like that there was a lot going on. Yeah. And more that I didn't have explanations for. So I was, and then, 
which is scary. It's scary. I was so unwell. I was like really like one of the biggest things that I dealt with that still stands out to me was bloating which like when you're an athlete and you're wearing like skin tight spandex every day and you've already been like bullied for your weight a good bit as an athlete to be bloating all the time and looking like you're literally pregnant is humiliating it's humiliating and also painful yeah like it feels terrible yeah I felt disgusting and just like so uncomfortable and yeah I mean every part of my body felt foreign. I was yeah. like, this is not the person that I want to be. And so this may shock you, but my mental health completely deteriorated. I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah, there, there's nothing better for kicking up some mental health issues yeah. than feeling physically unwell. Yeah. And I had dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with anxiety my entire life. Like I, some of my earliest memories are of being anxious. Yeah. If you can relate. Same. <laughs> <laughs> but then I got to experience depression. Oh, good. For maybe, like, the first time. Like, I had dealt with, like, micro bouts of depression, but typically, like, situational depression, which is, right. like... It's dark. It's yeah, cold. Yeah, something, something bad happening. has happened, so now you're depressed. Right. And then I started experiencing depression that was, like, it's it's the... um, It's, it's like, for the medications where it's, like, if you experience a sudden loss in interest in things that previously brought you joy... Right. You no longer want to eat food. Yeah. Like, you're despondent. That, I was, like, whoa. I am not myself. Right, 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 right. And uh, that's pretty much what what brought me up to the retirement was I... And that was, you posted in December, is it December 1st of 2021? I posted December 1st of 21, but I made the decision in September. Yeah. And I just kind of like sat on that for a while. Yep. Um, Actually, I say that I made the decision. I've talked about this a bit um, on other podcasts and stuff, but I say that I made the decision, but really Alan made the decision. Mm. Um, I was going to say your body made the decision, but tell me what Alan said. My body made the decision. Alan maybe gave me permission because Alan has worked with so many like extremely high level athletes. Yeah. And I was, we, we met every Wednesday. We had like our, it was like the, it did not get rescheduled. Like Uh we met on Wednesday at this time. And even throughout all this where he was like, you know, I think maybe you should take some time where you just go to Crested Butte and like ride as much or as little as you want. But like be around beauty in the mountains. That didn't go well. I got really sick. I got an altitude headache. I like I couldn't even be happy in Crested Butte. Um, well, if you can't be happy in Crested Butte, where can you be happy? <laughs> Nowhere, apparently. And I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like I had all these friends around and I was eating cupcakes every day. And like, I still was just yeah. like, well, everything sucks. <laughs> yeah. And Alan was like, you know, you don't have to do this anymore. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. I'm going to finish out the season and then I'm going to like be done for a little while. And he's like, no, I mean like you don't have to do this anymore as in like from the moment you leave this cafe. And I was like, what? (laughs) No. What do you mean? Say psych right now. (laughs) And he was like, no, I mean it. Like we'll figure everything else out. And I was like, okay. That sounds really good. Yeah. And I was, I mean, I called Aiden on the way home. I think I had biked there. You biked. And I was just like, Alan said I can be done and I'm done. (laughs) Was there something um, that kind of let go in your mind, in your body when he said that? Like where it felt clear that like, oh yeah, actually that's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had basically been trying to find a way to just like kick the can down the road until I was able to like retire at the end of the season. Right. So I was just trying to find a way to survive till 
after nationals or after worlds or whatever. Um, it had never crossed my mind that I could do it differently. Yeah. And like, I mean, it really rustled some, ruffled some feathers. It wasn't like, like from sponsors. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't like, Oh my God, everyone is so happy for me. Right. 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 <laughs> but like I had to look out for number one and it's not like I did it because I wanted to piss people off. I was like, I am not like really able to exist right now. Like I don't want to exist right now. Yeah. So this is like the self preservation thing that I have to do in order to right. survive till tomorrow. Right, right, right. So yeah, it was, um, I guess I don't, I mean, part of the reason I wanted you to come on the show is to like talk about stuff like that. Cause I feel like this is stuff that we've talked about personally, where it's like, I did this thing and it really pissed people off. Yeah. But I, like I had to do it. Right. I mean, that is sort of the interesting thing about the world that we live in and the way that we are all you know, especially like you as a pro athlete trying to make a living. As far as I've heard, it's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> um, there are other ways you can more easily make money. Yeah. Um, so most of the people that are trying to do what you are trying to do are doing it because they love this thing. Mm -hmm. And they have, you know, this thing that they want to do, this thing that they want to prove to themselves, to others, whatever. And part of that is you have sponsors and you're trying to help them sell their stuff yeah. and you're trying to make content for them. And at a certain point, it's like the product has, you know, product to be damned. I am a human being yeah. with a body and a soul and a mind and I have to take care of myself. And if I can't take, if I'm not well, I can't sell your stuff anyway. Yeah. So let's get real. But, like, that's the part, I don't know, that's the part when I think about your life on social media, I sometimes feel sick to my stomach thinking about how, you know, you're putting content out there and there are, you know, trolls sending you comments that are horrific <laughs> that I don't know how, like, I don't know how I would deal with that. I don't mm -hmm. know how you do. Um, and then having sponsors be, I mean, I get it, but, like, disappointed in somebody who's mm -hmm. ill. Yeah physically, mentally, spiritually ill and is trying to take care of themselves. Like, I don't have any, I don't feel bad for them. <laughs> I guess, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's, um, it's, it's hard out there it for is. the pros. For the pros, for yeah. a pro. Yep. Yeah. I, I like that and I appreciate that. And I think if I had had you in my life more at the time that I was making this decision I was living very very far away um you probably would have been like yeah you can't make everyone happy <laughs> I'm sure there were other people telling you that but yeah I would that's what I would have said yeah <laughs> you can't um I thought there was um something really cool and interesting in that social media post that you posted on December 1st 2021 which by the way was very hard to watch I could seriously <laughs> sob thinking about that I did watch it and felt, and you were really far away then, and I felt really sad watching that, but also really happy for you. So in the caption of that post, you had a quote by Morgan Harper Nichols, <gasps> and it says, um, I do not know what lies ahead, but I will find joy anyway. Oh my God, I forgot about that part. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Um, do you know want to know what else I did on December 1st, 2021? What? Um, I went and picked up Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> we got her, we brought her home that night. Oh my gosh. And I, so I did find joy. That was the ahead. same day as that post? 
Oh my gosh, that's so funny. That was a lot to go. That was a lot to deal with on December 1st. Wow. Oh my gosh, Winnebago. Well, that's that's a great segue because I was going to say, I do not know what lies ahead, but I will find joy anyway. How did you find, how did you do that? I think you were successful. Yeah. I know you were because I've been living with you for a while now. Yeah. Um, but tell me how you did that, how you found joy in the last few years in this different sort of life that you've been living. I think like, so something that my therapist talks about a lot is that the only time that someone feels like one emotion is in a movie mm. or in books where it's like, she was unequivocally in love. Like and she, that's it. And that's it. And it's like, <laughs> that's not how life works. And yeah. that's definitely not how I work. And like, so I had these like glimmers of joy. Like it's not to say that there was ever a period of my, of my life without joy, like especially even during like that really hard time leading up to my retirement, I still had joy. Like Mm -hmm. my fake little sister, Claire was living in Boulder and we were (laughs) hanging out all the time and she'd come over and she'd like sleep on our couch and like have a sleepover. And, you know, like I said, we were eating a lot of cupcakes at Lucky's Bakehouse. And like, I have these really, really fond memories of even that time. Mm -hmm. Um, So like never in this process have I felt like just one emotion. Um, and so like, I found these like little hints of joy of like going mountain biking a lot. And like, we were driving to ride mountain bikes a bit at that time. And then I kind of stopped riding mountain bikes and I was home for Christmas and we drove home and Aiden came home with me and we brought Winnie and we were, we came to visit you guys, Mm -hmm. um, two years ago this week. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and like, I just had the, I was able to say yes to these things that I hadn't said yes to, or I hadn't been able to say yes to in a really long time. Um, and so like I had these bits of joy and then I had to start trusting myself to like follow my heart because all of a sudden I had these, I had this new, I had this blank canvas, I guess. Yeah. There were more choices available. There were a lot yeah. more choices. Cause I used to just have kind of like one choice. Yeah. It was like cycling and what is getting me to this place, that yes. place, this place, that place. Yeah. And it yeah. was like, this really fills in the calendar. And then like, there are like these little slivers of other things I can say yes to. Yeah. So I really just started saying yes to everything. And it really got me in trouble because I started overbooking myself like way too much. And I was like taking all these like odd jobs and I was flying here and flying there. And I was like, I was just your yes, man. I was like, anything you want, I'll do it. Um, and it was really chaotic, but it helped me figure out like, okay, I really enjoy this stuff. I like doing race commentary. I like coaching. I like doing X, Y, Z. And I really don't like doing these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the joy really started to kick up. Um, I would say this to any host <laughs> when we decided to move to Massachusetts. Uh, so that was, whoop, whoop. Whoop. we visited you guys in January. Yeah. You were like, you should just come back. <laughs> and we were like, mm, do you mean that? <laughs> and by, by like March, I think we had, we made the choice and in May we moved, we left Colorado and moved here. Yep. And I've talked about this with Al a lot, like kind of how I was able to start healing and like the mental health stuff I feel like was, was faster to heal than the physical health. Like my mental health started to improve, but my physical health was really, really struggling all through 2022 and into very early 23. I was like, just tired all the time. It felt like I could do like a walk with you. And that was like the kind of like upper limit of Mm -hmm. what I could do physically. Um, but I think that it's no coincidence that after I moved in with people that 
I mean, obviously I love Aiden and we lived together for a while, but then we moved in with two more people that I really love. We have two dogs that are like the light of <laughs> the light of my life. Chaotic. Chaotic in the light of my life. Yep. Um, and you know, I'm eating dinner with a minimum of one upwards of three people yep. every dinner day. Every night. Um, like this like nourishing, like rich, delicious, made with love food. I wasn't restricting anymore because I wasn't afraid of like gaining weight and like not mm-hmm. fitting into my skin suit. So like I fully started to embrace like food freedom and that's like an ongoing process, but I have made the most progress towards food freedom in my whole life as I, as I have right now. Um, and then I started doing my mile a day. Yeah. The mile a day. The mile a day. I really do think that that weird New Year's resolution you. last year kind of kickstarted things. Mm-hmm. And then when I reached like March of 23, I was like, okay, like I'm doing a mile a day. I'm walking or running at least a mile. I was doing like some like three mile runs and it felt really good. And I was like, I feel capable again. Mm-hmm. And I want to see myself as capable. So I decided to have this mindset shift mm-hmm. where I was like, I don't want to see myself as chronically ill anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that I'm not <clears throat> and that I don't have like things that I need to be like really cognizant of but I started to talk about myself in a different way like I chose different words to describe myself yeah and that changed everything yeah I think the last flare-up I had was well I know I haven't had a flare-up since April of 23 really yeah that's incredible yeah it's pretty amazing uh yeah your body is listening it is it's always (laughs) listening so yeah, it's amazing how those little shifts, they seem little, they seem small. Yeah. Like the way you talk about something um, can really make a huge difference in how you feel physically, mentally, emotionally. This might be a Dr. Seuss quote, but little by little, little becomes a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. I don't even really think, okay. Of course, I don't really think that much about your autoimmune disease because I don't have it, but you don't really talk about it very much. And I don't hear you talking about symptoms or feeling like you're suffering from it. Mm-hmm. Does that feel true or is that just because you don't, you're not talking about it? No, I'm not talking about it because there's not that much to talk about it. There's not that much to talk about anymore because I think I used to talk about it a lot more because it was a way bigger part of my day to day. And it was, like, the deciding factor on whether or not I did something. Um, And it, like, kept me from doing a lot of the things that I love Mm -hmm. because I was very sick. Yeah. Um, So I think technically in order to be considered, like, in remission from autoimmune, which, like, not all doctors will will – sorry, not all doctors, I believe, would – would say that you can put autoimmune disease into remission, but some doctors do, like especially like the functional med, you can kind of like put it into hibernation. I think in order to technically achieve that, you can't be on medication. So I'm still taking um, thyroid medication, Mm -hmm. but I consider myself, because I don't care really what anyone else thinks, I consider myself to be in hibernation, remission, whatever, with autoimmune, because I do feel like I have found a really good balance And if that changes, I'll have to go back to the drawing board. But for the time being, um, I am not currently always stressed about like the next flare up being around the corner and like, am I going to regret doing this or is this too much? Um, I feel like I've actually started to live my day-to-day life the way that I used to before my diagnosis. That's very cool. 
And it's very interesting to me that you say, you know, not all doctors would consider you to be in remission. And again, the words that doctors use around some of these diseases or some of these, um, some of these issues that people have can get you stuck. Yes. Like if you're never allowed to be in remission, if, if there are all of these things that have to be true in order for you to feel like you can say you're in remission or that you're not suffering from something, I don't know. It's just, again, the words that especially doctors who we put our faith in because we don't know what we're talking about. We're right. not doctors. We don't know. Um, that can get really tricky. Yeah. I, I, I like what you said about like the, it's the words that we use. So whether a doctor would agree with me or not, like I think that I am drawing a lot of strength and motivation and encouragement from believing that I am in remission. Right. Um, and so I'm not like, I have really hesitated in talking about my mindset shift because I don't want to be like, like hustle culture, <laughs> work hard, bro. Like you just simply pretend that you don't have an autoimmune disease or whatever. Like, <laughs> like, no, right. I am not saying that at all. But I think that after many, many, many years of trying various diets and mod treatment modalities and supplements and acupuncture and cranial sacral and all of these things, I did so many different, like try a treatment or name a treatment. I've probably done it or tried it. Yeah. Um, after trying that and then taking several years of like not really doing anything but resting and healing, I think that what was left was for me to change the way that I thought about it. Yeah. So I'm not telling someone who's extremely ill, who right. just got diagnosed to be like, simply think differently. <laughs> I'm saying that for me personally, I went through this really long treatment and healing process. And then I think the last thing that needed to kind of get in line was the way that I was thinking about myself because I think that my body was ready for the next step, but my brain was saying, well, I still don't know you're if sick. we're capable. You're sick. You're, you're sick. sick. You're, sick. you're yeah. You can't do this. I'm going to hold you back from doing that. And then I was like, what happens if I say that I can do it? And my mm -hmm. body was like, thank you so much. Let's go. We've been waiting for this opportunity for a while. Now. A little while. Just yeah. a little while. But yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I believe. I really like that. And I think that's interesting. And I think that you have said to me, you know, that your social, your social media personality has kind of shifted and, and changed along with how you were feeling in these different eras of your Absolutely. existence. <laughs> and one of those eras was you were really leaning into sharing your autoimmune journey mm -hmm. because there are so many people that follow you and so many people who could have gotten really excellent information that you were finding out yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage you to continue being who you are when you are that person. And then you're allowed to shift. You're allowed yeah. to change. You, um, we change as we get older. That's just the way it goes. And it's like, you know, celebrities and people on social media, I guess, are not allowed to do that, <laughs> are not allowed to, like, go through human phases, but, um, you're allowed to lean into your autoimmune life. And then once it's not the main thing going on, you're allowed to lean into something else. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Cause I've been trying, I've been kind of struggling with like 
I don't talk about autoimmune stuff as much anymore, partially because I'm still kind of grappling with how I feel about like what everything I just said, all the qualifiers <laughs> I just gave, like, you know, this is information that pertains to me that may not apply to others. Um, so it's like kind of hard to be like, well, yeah, the thing that really helped me, I think was changing how I talk about myself. Cause that just feel, it feels like, well, yeah, but that's without the context of what you just said. So it's like, right. send them to this podcast and then they can hear all of the things you did leading up to changing your mindset, which as you said, was basically the last step yeah. in a very, not a super long decades long journey of trying to heal yourself, but, um, you had the right people around you. You took the right amount of time. You have an amazing boyfriend who's really supportive. You have mm-hmm. really good friends and you were able to luckily get back to health relatively quickly mm-hmm. and hopefully you're going to stay there. Yeah. That's been a big part of this comeback is like trying to keep that anxiety at bay. Right. Be like, am I coming back too soon? Yeah. Or am I pu- going public with it too soon? Right. I think is the thing. Like, am I going public with this information too soon? And then I'm going to have a flare up in a couple months and it's going to completely set me back. But I think the thing that's really important for me to like continue to remind myself is I am doing this for myself and I'm doing it for the experience and the challenge. I'm not doing it because I'm trying to get results. Like, I mean, we started the episode talking about like my race achievements and we actually didn't even go over some of the ones that I'm most proud of. Let's go back. <laughs> I, just, I just remembered that like, I mean, I got a, I medaled at Worlds. Yes. Um, I've been on World Cup podiums. I won the World Cup overall. Like I have accomplished, I would say that I've accomplished everything that I could hope to achieve in my career. Um, there are things that I'd love to do more. I'd love to do again. Obviously, I'll never quite let go of the dream to go to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, but like if all I ever, if my previous results are the best that I ever have, that's completely okay with me. I'm coming back now because I want to prove to myself that I can. I want to challenge myself. And coming back has been so motivating to me to describe myself differently, be kind to myself, prove to myself that like I can do hard things again. Um, and that I wasn't the best, like the, the best version of myself at 22 years old. Right. So if I do end up with like a major flare up in a couple months or in a couple years or whatever, one, that does not mean I have to quit. Right. But two, like that's just part of the journey. Because it's not like, I'm like, oh my God, this is really going to squash my goals of being world champion. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, if I come back and I'm like, oh my God, I'm better than I was, that's great. And I'll, I'll, I'll ride that wave mm-hmm. as far as it'll take me. But that's not why I am coming back. Right. It's for a lot more in here yeah. for me than it is about um, out there, which was what I was racing for the first time. Okay. So... How are you balancing now the training that you're doing? Because I know that the last few months you've been, like, really training out there. We've got a pellet boiler starting up in the background, folks. It just keeps getting louder. It does keep getting louder. That's all right. Our voices can can get louder. It's fine. Um, So as you started, like, really getting into training again, how are you 
how are you keeping a balance of watching how you feel, making sure you're getting enough rest, making sure you're not going to, like you said, too much too soon? Um, how are you keeping that health balance where you want it to be? There's like 14 directions that I could go in to answer that question. But I think the thing that I've been thinking about most, because for someone like me, it's about managing my anxiety. Yeah. So it's like, I can, there are some people who are a lot more like, I'm about to, I'm explaining this to you because I don't think that you personally know no, yeah. what this is like <laughs> either. But I think that there's some writers where they're like, if they're, how do I say this? I'm always stressed that I'm doing the wrong thing or that yeah, I'm like yeah. doing it at the wrong time or that like, I'm. I could go on a trip. This is kind of an aside, but like I could go on a trip and then I'll be stressed the whole trip that I'm not enjoying it enough. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about this on my birthday where I'm like, when I was little, I just wanted to like mostly sit there and like absorb the fact that it was my birthday. Right. (laughs) So it would feel more like a birthday. Right. So like, that's the kind of person that I am. Yeah. So with training, I'm like, am I not doing this right? Like I'm always questioning myself. So then I told, I was talking to Aiden couple weeks ago and I was like what if I'm doing this wrong what if this is the wrong this what about just like self-doubt city and he was like (laughs) okay the thing that you have to know about Aiden if you don't know him is that he is like just this gentle sweet like calm um like kind of like zen master I don't know how to describe like that's pretty accurate so chill yeah and then every now and then he and he's like really patient with me as you know sometimes he'll like almost get he was like, dude. It's <laughs> so like, if you know Aiden, the fact that he's like, dude, he's like, it's not about 2024. He's like, it's a thousand days, like minimum. That's three years. You are not going to become the person that you're becoming at the end of 2024. And I like, I hope you don't. I hope that this is the first step in a big, in a much bigger prog- process. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) It's like, I don't need to, I don't need to arrive at my destination at the end of 2024. He's like, fuck no, Ellen. (laughs) Like sometimes I I can tell that he's, he doesn't said this, but like, I can tell that he's thinking, he's like, you're really smart. So how do you say these like dumb things when you're talking about yourself? Right. He's like, it's a thousand days. Like you need to give yourself three years really realistically. So now, like, when I'm really, really tired and I'm tempted to, like, do some sketchy shit and, like, go out and ride mm-hmm. and, like, do, like, a big ride even though I really shouldn't because I should just rest because I'm, I've am i done this for long enough to know yeah. when what I should rest. Yeah. I'm like, oh, but I need to – and then I'm like, no. Also, where are we arriving? Where are we arriving? Where right? are we arriving to? <laughs> I know. Truly. <clears throat> Especially if you have the mindset that you just said, which was – you're not doing it for someone out there. <laughs> you're doing it for you. And the great news about things that you're doing for yourself, as long as that's true and you're really keeping to that, is that it's all up to you. There's literally nowhere to go. You can go wherever you want. And you can change your mind tomorrow and you can change it again the next day. And you can make a plan and then shift it. Like... Okay, but I really struggle with that part. Yeah. With the changing your mind and changing it yeah. tomorrow, make a plan and, and, and change it. And yeah. that's like why I struggled with my retirement. It's why I've always felt guilty about 
racing cross country as like a cyclocross racer because I feel like I was like I should just be we talked about this yesterday and I'm going to tie it back like I feel like I should have I was I started in the pro ranks as a cyclocross racer and then as I got older I wanted to get back into cross country and then I'm like well now I'm kind of interested in gravity and I feel like I should have been like I need to pick my genre right but then we talked yesterday about Bob Dylan and (laughs) more um topically Taylor Swift yeah like what if Taylor Swift had chosen her genre at 16? Right. And then was just still just making country pop. And it she wasn't was even never, country pop. It was just country country. Country country. Yeah. Right. I guess all country is kind of pop now. So you don't yeah. need to specify. But yeah. And she just continues to make country music for the rest of her life. No. Ooh, and that missed out on a lot of really good albums. I know. Like folklore. I mean, and that's a that was a departure from the music she was making after she made country. And so right. like there's all this... I don't know, but I have, I really struggle with that guilt of like, I don't want to be jumping around. I think that maybe has to do with being a woman. Cause I think Partially that we... it probably has something to do with being a woman, but also we all, what we talked about yesterday with Bob Dylan was that somebody's going to hate you for what you're doing. Right. Always. Yeah. Because there are just a lot of people out in the world who, I don't know, weren't loved right. They're unhappy. Mm-hmm. It's hard for them to see people doing things they can't do. So there's always going to be that. Right. Someone's always going to be mad that you're playing an electric guitar because you're supposed to always play acoustic. <laughs> and and you now know, even even acoustic guitars are electric. Yeah. For Pete's sake. I right. mean, we didn't. We had no for idea Pete's where sake. things were going. Seriously. <laughs> the point being, we don't know what the point is anymore. Right. But. Um, I think the point is that you're not, you're never going to make everyone happy. Right. So you might as well just try to make yourself happy. Yes. Damn. (laughs) Well, we don't need to make any more podcasts. All right. We figured it out. Um, (laughs) Okay. So the other day you did a post Mm -hmm. where actually you you led into the post with a couple of posts. Yes. (laughs) Um, We had so much What did you say? New year. Mm -hmm. That part we got. Same me. Same me. Fresh take. Yeah. Wow, you knew that really well. It's almost like you helped me design it. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about same me. So what does that mean? Yeah. So like I loved the, uh, everyone always talks at the beginning of the year, new year, new me. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it is funny explaining this to you because we... <laughs> I know. Explain <laughs> to the there. people. I'm really explaining to the people. Yeah, it's like new year, new me. But like I am not trying to be a new me. I'm, But I'm doing... I'm not even doing something new. I'm doing the same thing, but I'm trying to do it really differently. I'm trying yeah. to do it intentionally. I'm trying to do it without falling into the same traps that I fell into so many times before. Um Really, if I had to sum it up, I'm trying to do the thing that I did before um, with a lot more coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because those traps you're talking about are, the traps are always going to be out there, especially for, well, I'm thinking of some specific traps, like don't eat, be skinny, yeah. do look how people want you to look, yeah. you know, do the thing everybody expects, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Again, sort of... For women mostly. I mean, yes, it, I, I know that there's pressure, different kinds of pressure for men, but um, falling into those traps, there's no shame in falling into those traps. The traps are set. Mm-hmm. They're out there for you. Right, right. <laughs> and no, you are... The traps didn't set up themselves. <laughs> no, no. And 
they're like young people are more vulnerable to them. Yeah. And I was hella young hella when I started young. doing this. I mean, we, the, we started in 2013. Yeah. I was eight, eight, like 17 probably at that I time. I was an absolute idiot yeah. when I was 17. Yeah. I had no. I'm barely out of idiot zone now. I'm 43. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And I still, I recognize, like, I feel like a completely different person than I was when I, even when I retired. Right. And that was like after a couple of years of not really racing that much. Like when I was at my peak, I was, that was six, seven, eight years ago. Right. I am a much more mature person. I have a long way to go. I'm sure of it, but I'm really, really happy with the progress that I've made. And I want to, I guess the the thing is, I don't feel completely done with bike racing. And there are things that I want to go back and do and I want to do them differently. And I want to rewrite the ending of that story because you didn't get to choose the first one. I did not get to choose the ending. And like, I see some of these riders that are like, I'm retiring at the end of this season. I'm kind of doing my, like my last lap, last round. And it's like, it's really nice. And they get to like, kind of, you know, they get to leave on a high note and I'm not guaranteed to have that again. Like I could have a career ending injury or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, but I'd like to give it a shot. And, um, this is actually something that Al and I, Al, Aiden and I talked about this. I was like, you know, I'm kind of like, I want to come back because I don't want to have any regrets. And Al was like, yeah, this is the, um, anti, oh, how did he say it? I'm, I need to think. This is your anti-deathbed regret campaign. (laughs) He's like, you don't want to be dying and being like, I wish I had given it one more shot. (laughs) Oh my God. Ever the logical. And I felt really, really seen by that because I felt like there was a chance I could say that to him and be like, that's not a good reason to come back or whatever. And he was like, no, this is the, this is you do this so that you can really feel like, so that you're not, so you're not the parent screaming at their kid at soccer practice because like you have all these unfulfilled athletic dreams. Right. We (laughs) cannot have that. No, no. So I'm really trying to rewrite the, rewrite the story and hopefully rewrite the ending. I have more questions, but I feel like we should end the podcast there because it was (laughs) really good. Um, What are you most afraid of? And it could be, I mean, in terms of like coming back, announcing that you're going to be a pro again, what are you most afraid of? It could be the health stuff. It could be the trolls. What do you, what scares you about that and making that announcement? Well, one, I'm not afraid of the trolls. Nice. Thank God. Did you hear that in the back? Yeah. In case you were thinking about being a troll. Yeah. I don't, I really don't give a shit anymore. Um, I think one thing, one of the reasons that I feel really confident going into this or as confident as I think a person like myself can be, (laughs) um, is because if you had asked me at 21 or 22, like what my worst case scenario was, um, for my career, not in life. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) For my career, I would have been like, Ooh, I have to retire and it's like really shameful and all my sponsors drop me and I lose Red Bull and it's like I just stopped racing and and then everyone is mad at me. And then guess what? That happened and I survived. (laughs) There's something sort of freeing about this is this is the greatest 
you know, the worst case scenario game is really fun to play with your friends. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, what's your worst case scenario? And yeah. then you name all those things. You say, okay, then what? Yeah. Okay, then like, what? Then what? Then what happens? Then what happens? Turns out you're still alive. Yeah. You're still here. You still got your friends and your family and, and your health. And the people who matter still care about you. And the you. people who matter still care about you. And so your worst case scenario with your career at that age has happened. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> I'm like, I lose all the validation that I so crave. (laughs) And then you find out that you, like, when you lose that, you actually figure out ways to feel good about yourself without it. So my worst case scenario ended up being really fucking good for me. Right. So with that in mind, I am, I'm really afraid of something happening with my health. Yeah. But I do feel capable of dealing with that. Um... I don't think that if something happened with my health that I would have to retire again. I think that I can I think that I can find a way to be in the sport while I recover and hopefully still get back in the ring unless it's decided that like clearly my body just can't like do that and like then you have to pivot and figure it out but like I mean enduro is pretty sick anyway so it's like maybe I can't handle the intensity of cross or whatever and these are the things that I think about in It's hard to say. I think the thing that I'm most afraid of, whether it's rational or not, is for some reason I get back into the throes of it and realize that all the sensation and the energy and the excitement I've felt in the last five months um, was all made up. And I actually hate it. And I hate bike racing and I hate riding and I hate racing and I hate the whole thing. You jumped in the ring at the Northampton Cyclocross race this year. I did. How did that feel? It was amazing. And I came across the line. I didn't, I did not think I was going to be emotional. And I came across the line and I just burst into tears. I was very emotional. I, I didn't, like, if you had asked me beforehand, be like, is this going to be emotional for you? I'd be like, no, it's a bike race. Who cares? And I came across the line. I was just like, oh my God. I, there was a period of time where I never, where I really believed that that would never happen again. Right. And then it did. And it was so good. And it was the best possible race. Oh my gosh. To hop into because yeah. like every person I've ever Local loved celebrities was there. <laughs> abound. Yes. And yeah. all the juniors that I coached all season were like screaming, losing their mind. They don't even know that I'm like a bike racer, really, but they were like, that's Coach Ellen. Yeah. She's in the race. Who they thought was Al's wife. I think there was a <laughs> common misconception at Kids Cross. Very common misconception that Al, who. Sorry, is old enough to be my dad, is my husband. <laughs> because we know each other. Well, and we're you, adults. Yeah. You show up at the same practices. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Yeah. And he has asked me what's for dinner. Oh, Which God. is his way of making it's small his talk. number one question. It's his favorite question. But um, yeah, so that's my biggest fear is that everything I've been feeling in the right. last couple months is actually a lie. Totally and fake. And I totally hate it. Yeah. It's really hard for me to trust my emotions sometimes. Yeah, I understand that. Um, okay, so something a little more positive. <laughs> what are you most excited about in the next year as you think about training and going to races and seeing people that you haven't seen in a while? What's most exciting? There's a lot that I'm like really, 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 really excited about. <clears throat> One of them is just like being back in like the energy of the race is so awesome. Like I'm excited to be around people again and kind of get to do all the like fun aspects of being a bike racer. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'm really looking forward to is like pushing through those like moments of doubt. 
Yeah. Where like even today I was like kind of in my head, I rode alone for the first time in a couple of days. And so I had like a lot of time to think to myself and I was like, Ooh, like maybe. And then I was like, stop, <laughs> just keep pedaling. Just turn the pedals. Like it changes the channel. Change the, yeah. Change the channel. Like click mute. Cut, 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 cut. Everyone stop from the top. Let's try something nicer. Um, And so, yeah, I'm like really excited to, I'm I'm excited to see what I can do this year. Mm -hmm. And I've never in my whole life thought that before. I've never had that thought. Wow. (laughs) But like, I'm, I am excited to like push myself and I don't know, hopefully like surpass the expectations that I've set where I'm like, oh, I actually like performed really well at this race and I felt really good or whatever. And like, Hopefully in a year from now, I can be like, you know what, no matter what the results are, what this coming year looks like, I can be like, wow, I tried really hard. Yeah. That's pretty sick. I tried really hard. I'm really proud of myself. And I had a good time in the process. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit, and maybe you don't want to talk too much about what you're thinking for the team that you're going to be on, Mm -hmm. but I was noticing in your new photos, in your new um, Instagram photos, that there is a shirt you're wearing. And it has a question mark on it. And I'm just wondering if you want to talk a little bit about the significance of that shirt. I don't want to talk about it yet. Okay. I want to leave that um, untouched. I have a little bit more work to do before um, I share that. Okay. But the question mark wasn't an accident. Okay. So that... Yeah, it was a teaser. A little Easter egg. So if you follow me on Instagram and you listen to the podcast, then you're one of the, you're one of the elite few that knows that that question mark is there on purpose and we'll be seeing a lot more of it, um, coming up. Okay. So we'll leave it at that. And is there anything, Ellen, that I didn't ask you that you wish I had? No, um, not at all. This was so much better than I expected. And I just want to reiterate that we talked before we went on air that, um, Oh, we played the game, what's the worst thing that could happen? And we agreed that it would be that we had too much chemistry. Oh, yeah. And had too much fun. And then no one wants to listen to my podcast without you. Without me, yeah. So I I love the idea of us doing this again, a lot less me-focused and more just like conversation-based about... You have so much to offer and so much to chat about. Oh my about. god, and I am a fountain of no. And you love to talk. It's I do like love I'm to talk. It no, it's true. It's true. So I think that if if you're listening still, and you enjoyed this episode, if you are still listening, if you're still listening, impossibly, if you're still listening, and you enjoyed this episode, and you enjoyed Catherine Slater, um, let us know, and we would love to. I'd love to bring Catherine back on and have a um, have another chat about God knows what. But we're always open to suggestions. I'd love it. So, Catherine, thank you so very, very much. This was fantastic. I'm so grateful for you, and I hope to have you back on very soon. It has been my pleasure. Thank you for having me, and thank you for your candid conversation um, on this day with me on your podcast. This one's for me and you and us. (laughs) This one is – oh, okay, actually, you have to ask me. (laughs) This is how the podcast starts. You have to ask me who this episode's for. Ooh, Okay. Ellen, one final question. Mm-hmm. Who is this episode for? This episode is for... I didn't think about it until you asked me. Um, for people who are thinking about doing a scary thing and taking a leap and maybe struggling to believe in themselves just a little bit, 
this one is for you. You do not have to be fully formed to take the first step. You don't need to be the person that you want to be. A thousand days from now. A thousand days from now. And I've had to fight with that. I've had to reconcile against that a lot because I keep getting upset that I'm not organized enough or I'm not professional enough or I'm not fit enough or I'm not X, Y, or Z enough to be the person that I want to be in a thousand days from now. But I'm never going to be that person if I don't meet myself where I am. So whether you have an embroidery kit for Mm -hmm. beginners in your drawer that you've been waiting to get out and Mm -hmm. start your embroidery career or um, you're trying to get back into pro racing, Mm -hmm. everybody in between. Yep. Meet yourself where you are today without judgment. Thanks, Ellen. Thank you, Catherine. No, that was so good. Thank you.